Good morning, everyone. You know, in my time as a priest talking to parents, one of the biggest struggles that they at least talk to me about is the reality when parents and their children tend to leave the church and no longer practice the faith. Some of them actually no longer believing in God. This causes a lot of consternation and anxiety amongst parents, as you might imagine. And the question is, Father, what can we do as parents, these are the other ones who maybe have younger children, to make sure they don't leave when they get older, knowing how common this is? What can we do to to form our children to make sure they remain in the faith? The truth is, there's no foolproof answer. There's nothing that I can say that means if you do A, B, C, and D, your kids will always be Catholic. It's not going to work that way. Because kids have free will. They can make their own choices. Even the one that's best raised can go off the rails, be confronted with different ideas or different thoughts or different temptations. But I think during my time uh, working with parents, and more importantly probably working with college students, the ones that sort of maintain their faith and even grow in their faith, I think there is one thing in particular that I see that is the most important. And again, it's sort of a nebulous sort of concept, although I'm going to do my best to put some uh, flesh and bones to it. The number one trait for a child maintaining their faith our parents doing this one thing is building up trust between the child and the parent. Now, the kids who tend to maintain their faith and grow in their faith have a trusting relationship with their parents. Now, of course, when I say trust, I mean the basic stuff. Kids are supposed to be able to trust that the parents love them, they will provide for them, they won't lie to them. They won't abuse them. That's really not what I'm talking about, even though that sort of acts as the basis of it. But instead, the children have a trust in their parents. The kids are willing to trust them, to talk to them about difficult issues, about things that maybe they feel ashamed about, different struggles or trials that they're enduring in their life, particularly when they become teenagers and older, And they do not have the fear that the parent will judge them, punish them, ridicule them, shame them, or look down upon them. Because so often these struggles that the young person wants or should be able to talk about with their parents, they already feel a tremendous amount of shame, tremendous amount of guilt. And if they figure that the parent is not going to understand or is going to heap more shame or guilt upon them, the chances of them actually trusting and talking about it become significantly diminished. A young person needs to to sort of feel the freedom to be able to bear his or her heart to the parent, to come to the parent with their different issues or struggles, knowing that that parent is going to listen to them with understanding, with compassion, to offer them guidance. Uh, There are a lot of issues that we could talk about practically, but I think you can figure out there are two main ones. This deals with questions or struggles with the faith. 
belief in God or maybe generally Catholicism. And number two, struggles in the area of chastity and issues dealing with the body. First of all, when it comes to faith, it is a natural and a normal thing for kids to question. They're young, they have all kinds of questions about who God is, about the Eucharist, about other elements of the faith. And particularly as they get older and their, their reason gets a little bit better and maybe they are presented with different ideas, even some that might be deliberately contrary to the faith, it brings up questions, but it can also bring up genuine struggles with belief. And they have got to trust that they can go to you the parents with these questions and with these struggles and not be shamed or told, oh, you just got to believe. That's the worst thing you can do. But again, a lot of times parents feel insecure. Maybe they don't know the answers. And so they say, I don't know, or I don't want to talk about that because I don't understand. Maybe it's their own pride. Instead of doing what's proper and saying, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question, but I bet we could try to find it out together. Let's go look. Maybe even let's go talk to the priest. A few weeks ago, I had this great uh, discussion with a parent and their child, this young boy, very intelligent for his age, again, really struggling with the issues of evolution and how Genesis 1, 2, and 3 could be squared up against evolution. We thought that their sort of belief in that was mutually exclusive. And I said, not at all. I believe in evolution. The church has no problem with that. But the real issue is you've got to understand how to properly interpret Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It is not literal history. It's a myth. It's there to teach you a much deeper truth. And once I was able to explain that to the young man, he realized things were going to be okay. I told him, I said, it's okay to question. Please bring these things up. The worst thing is if you don't, if you feel the shame. And then as a parent, even more, and this is what was so good about this parent, they said, yeah, you know what? I, I struggle too. There's no reason you shouldn't be able to say that. I have questions also. It's a natural, normal thing. This is how you build up trust with your young person about the issue of faith. And of course, most people would say that's easy compared to the other issue, that issue of chastity and sexuality. The teenage years are hard. Hormones are raging. There's all kinds of peer pressure. There's all kinds of temptation. And many people from, let's say, Generation X or even the later baby boomers, whenever we were teenagers or we had questions, we didn't want to talk to our parents about it. Parents didn't want to talk about it either. They probably say, well, here's a book by Ann Landers. Just go figure it out yourself. No. That approach did not work back then, and it really does not work now. The young person is coming to you with these questions, if they indeed are brave, brave enough, and so often what they may be struggling with are things that they're shame, they feel shame about, they're worried about, and if it is not discussed with them in an open, honest, and non-judgmental manner, then that shame is just going to be built up, particularly if they can't talk about it, they're going to go find the answers in other places. They're going to only lead them further into darkness. This is especially true with the issue of looking at things on the internet in particular that one ought not look at. 
images that do not lead the soul to holiness. This is something that girls do struggle with much more now than they did about 10 years ago. I can promise you that. But it's still predominantly something that young men struggle with. If you have a boy that is, let's say, 11 to 17, and you do not think that your child is tempted with this, or probably looking at it, then you are living on another planet. All right? You really are. And it's time to come down to earth. Because this is a pandemic in our culture, but one we want to ignore and pretend like it doesn't exist instead of talking about it honestly. The truth is, so many young people feel tremendous shame about this. And they don't want to talk to anyone about it. And they really don't want to talk to their parents about it because they're afraid their parents are going to punish them, shame them, or look down upon them. You've got to be able to talk to your kids about this, to build up that relationship of trust so if they do indeed struggle with it, they feel capable of talking to you about it. It's one of the more touching and, and, and edifying things that I've seen in my time as a priest. Several young men who I know begin to struggle with this, but they had that trusting relationship with their father. And so instead of just hiding it, going to talk to their friends about it, and went to their dad and said, Dad, I'm really struggling with this. And the dad, instead of saying, I don't want to talk about that, or it's your own problem, or it's not a problem, said, you know what, son, I understand. I'm going to work through this with you. We're going to, uh, we're going to overcome it together. And we saw tremendous progress because the father chose to take this attitude instead of sticking his hand, head in the sand. So, I say, Father, this is great and this is very nice, this issue of trust and dealing with the issues of chastity or faith, but how does it relate to the feast we celebrate today, the feast of the Holy Family? It's not like Jesus struggled with these things. It's not like he was ever bad. Of course, there was all kinds of trust already there. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the ideal kid that she wanted to have. And so even though maybe there weren't these same exact type of struggles, we can still look to the trust that existed in the Holy Family, particularly Jesus with Mary and Joseph as foster father, as sort of a template for understanding how we can build up those trusting relationships. And if we ever think about that, that Christ as he grew up would go to Mary and would go to Jesus with his questions, with his his things that he experienced and have those beautiful heart-to-heart -heart discussions, particularly as he got older. And so we as parents can cultivate these things in our children by looking at the example of the Holy Family. The first and most important thing that we can see in the Holy Family, that we can imitate ourselves, it's the important element of establishing trust, is they practiced what they preached. Joseph would go to service on the Sabbath. He wasn't like, ah, Mary, you just take Jesus. I'm going to sit around and hang around and build something or drink my Mogan David. I don't know. He didn't do that. He went. He was responsible. He took part in the faith. And so Jesus could see that. 
Believe me, your children, if you don't want them to question faith or look at you a hypocrite, they're going to say, oh, I'm questioning, but dad doesn't go to mass. Mom doesn't practice. They don't, we don't pray as a family. Why would they trust you? They won't trust you if you are not trying to live it yourself. Maybe we're not perfect, and that's understandable. Then they should be seeing you go to confession. Trust me, they pay attention and know you've got to practice what you preach if you expect a bond of trust to be built. Number two, Mary and Joseph did not nag Jesus. They were not constantly on his case. Jesus, why didn't you pick up these nails around the shed? Jesus, what are you doing hanging around those people? Jesus, why don't you come work a miracle for me? They didn't do that. Now, granted, Jesus did not make mistakes. He was the son of God. But trust me, parents, if you nag your children and browbeat your children about issues of faith and about these types of things, they are going to go in the other direction. I'm not saying that you can expect certain things from them, but if out of your own insecurity or your own imbalance, or your own whatever, you do this to your kids instead of showing them the love and whatnot, then you would expect them not to be able to trust. And third and finally, as I sort of alluded to in the other examples, Mary and Joseph were open with their hearts, vulnerable to Jesus. It's, again, this is what prayer is, talking to the Lord, speaking to the Lord, and the Lord would listen. There was that communion of persons. I'm not saying that parents need to spill all the beans and tell their kids everything, but sociologists have shown, particularly as young people get older, if you're willing to share a little bit of your struggles with your kids, to say, yeah, I know what it's like, I question too, I struggle with this too, that builds up a bond of trust where the young people are going to be more willing to open up and help you out. And so, again, as I said, there is no foolproof solution for making sure that your children, as they get older, practice their faith and always remain in the church and believe in God. And as families, if we are going to imitate the Holy Family, from my experience, I can tell you, the most important thing is that what we do and the way we live and what we say and how we interact is to build that bond of trust so that we can create truly holy families where our children are willing to when they're younger and God willing when they get older to be able to talk to, to open their hearts, to talk about their struggles with their parents and then God willing if they maintain their faith to create holy families themselves. And that same environment is created which ends up building up the church and building up our culture. Amen.